0: You voted for today's episode topic, and I'm delivering on that. Today's episode is all about my birth story. I am spilling the tea on everything that went down. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Learning to Mom podcast. If you don't know me, my name is Layla, and I inform first-time moms on pregnancy and birth so that way they can be empowered and educated without feeling overwhelmed. Here we believe children are blessings, not burdens. We don't partner bash or grumble about being a mama, but we most importantly don't judge other moms for just mommying differently than we do. We're all just learning what works best for us and for our families. So if that sounds good to you, then let's get into it. Let's see where to begin, where to begin. Okay, first, let me share with you what I had on my birth plan. Please hold. Okay, never mind. That's a bummer. I don't have it anymore, and I couldn't find it on my computer, so that stinks. That would have been just like a really great starting point. Let me instead start with just what I had envisioned for my birth. First, I was having a planned hospital birth. The first OBGYN that I called is a Catholic provider in my city, and she's very popular. She's like really holistic, and I've always just heard amazing things about her, honestly. Well, when I called the office the first week of November, when I found out I was pregnant, they said that they couldn't get me in until January. So being a first-time mom, not really knowing that you could switch providers mid-pregnancy or any of that, I just went to my next choice, which was a Catholic doctor that I personally knew at a different hospital. And if you're wondering why I was so hung up on finding a Catholic doctor, it's because my husband and I follow Catholic Church teaching of not using contraception, and I knew that at the six-week follow-up appointment postpartum, the doctor will be talking about contraception with me, and I just wanted to be able to have a doctor that supported in me practicing what's called natural family planning, and I just didn't want to be belittled or judged or anything like that, you know? So I chose to have a hospital birth with this doctor or rather just with this practice because you never know who's actually going to be on call when you deliver. Now also remind you, I was 24 when this all went down. I had never even seen an OBGYN before. So I guess when I was like, you know, choosing my doctor, I was really choosing like my OBGYN. So this was all new territory for me. The one thing that I did know was that I wanted a natural birth. Why? Well, because honestly, that's just like I knew that that was the healthier option. If you know me or you follow me on Insta, you know that I'm fairly crunchy, if you will, when it comes to medicine and medication and all the things so i knew that i wanted to have a natural birth but i didn't actually know the research or the statistics behind the why like i just knew the fact that it was the healthiest option for mom and baby i didn't actually know all the risks and the benefits of an epidural a c-section or any intervention really i also knew that i wanted to be as active in labor as possible and that i did not want a birth on my back but again was i actually informed and knew my stuff no That was just my vision, a really active, natural birth, and not delivering on my back. So here I am, chugging along, seeing that doctor. I had a really healthy pregnancy. I mean... I definitely had like my fair share of first trimester nausea, fatigue, morning sickness. I had horrible heartburn in the third trimester, but overall it was a healthy pregnancy. I was really, really fortunate. So I'm still just thinking natural birth. I'm going to have a natural birth. Did I do anything extra to prepare for that? No. Did I read any books, listen to any podcasts, take a natural birth prep course? No, no, and no. Did anyone at the hospital even walk me through what kind of preparation that would take or discuss pain management options or anything? Nope. So I just thought, literally, I could waltz right in there, deliver my baby without any pain meds, and walk right out. Easy, breezy, beautiful. Cover girl. (laughs) Well, my due date was quickly approaching, and I still felt really good. The whole pregnancy, though, I was thinking like, I'm going to be early. I just have this feeling I'm going to be early. Then something scary happened a month before my due date. I got sick. Third trimester, I threw up a lot, honestly. It was nothing compared to how much I was throwing up in the first trimester. But there was like two days in a row where I was just throwing up. Didn't feel well. Spent the entire weekend in the shower letting hot water just pour over my body as I like whimpered. I went in to see the doctor for my usual already scheduled appointment. So this was not my doctor, but another doctor in that, pro- in that practice. Because, you know, you never know who's, like, going to be on call when you deliver. So my hospital always made you see a different doctor each appointment. So you just meet them all just in case. And I mentioned to this doctor, I actually haven't felt the baby move a lot, but I have been sick. So I just haven't really been paying attention. That then got me stuck in the doctor's office all day. They ran two separate tests on me. And then after those tests, I had an ultrasound just to like triple check, which I totally understand why. And I am very grateful for modern medicine to double check, to triple check, because that is a really alarming thing. And I do want to pause here and just let you know, That if you're in the third trimester, you should be feeling baby move a total of 10 or more distinct movements in two hours. If you're not, it could be an emergency. So praise God, everything was fine. But that specific doctor was really pushing me to get an induction. Like, honestly, she was pressuring me. And I was just like, you know... You just told me after all these tests today that everything was fine, so why should I have an induction? I don't want one. And she couldn't really give me an answer, to be honest. But she said, if it happens again, you'll need to be induced. And I also had to come back the following week for a follow-up test thing. So like the sa- one of the same tests that I just had performed on me, they just wanted me back again to do it, where they like hooked me up to this machine that tracked baby's movement, heart rate, and contractions. It was a whole thing. So... I left that first appointment with her just kind of upset and annoyed with that doctor for trying to get me to have an induction when my baby was totally fine. It would be a completely different story if it it wasn't, right? But like, I just spent all day here with you. You just told me everything was fine. If everything isn't fine, then why should I get an induction, right? And she just like couldn't tell me, which was so annoying. And really, I just didn't feel the baby moving because I was distracted and I wasn't counting the kicks that weekend, because I was dying from whatever sickness that I caught. So then the next week, you know, those tests came back fine too. So I was like, I'm not going to be induced. The baby is just going to be here soon. I know it. I'm going to have a natural birth and it's going to be here early. Well, before I knew it, I was 40 weeks pregnant and no baby. I also felt really good. Like People were telling me even, you just are carrying so well, that's nothing like how I was in my third trimester, and you're about to pop, and you're doing so well. So I just thought to myself, like, there's no way this baby is coming, because I'm not even uncomfortable. I haven't even hit the point in my pregnancy where, I, where I'm uncomfortable, or where it's hard to walk. Like, baby is not coming. So at 40 weeks, I started doing all of the things to help induce labor naturally, which, Actually, it's one of my future episodes. I have a midwife on to share how to naturally induce labor, so stay tuned for that. But here I was, I was curb walking, chugging, I mean, not actually, but uh, red raspberry leaf tea, only sitting on my yoga ball, like all the things. And like Rachel and friend says, yup, still no baby. I hit 40 weeks in a couple days, and as a first-time mom who was not informed, I started considering getting induced because of the fact, literally the sole fact, that my husband was a very big baby and I was on the larger side, so I did not want to have to push out a 10, 11-pound baby. So I went ahead and I scheduled that induction for a week and a day after my due date, but in the meantime, I was still doing all the things to try to get baby out on its own. Still, no baby So we go in for the induction at 41 weeks and one day. I wasn't dilated at all. And still I thought I was just going to waltz in, have a baby without an epidural after being induced and just waltz right out afterwards. And I can do it. No prep needed. Whatever. I definitely had some misconceptions about being induced, which is what I want to share about. I really just didn't think it through because I didn't do my research and I'm not in the medical field, like a lot of reasons, but those were my main ones, right? So one of the misconceptions that I had about being induced is that it just kickstarts labor, but that everything else will be the same. I did not think through, or even I wasn't told a few things about induction. One, you will have to be monitored very closely, which limits your ability to move. Secondly, your contractions are going to be so much worse than what natural contractions feel like. And third, your labor may be longer than what it would normally be because your baby just might not be ready to leave the womb yet. So my induction was scheduled for 7 o'clock p.m. We went into the hospital at like 6.30 and now I'm just... I'm just going to read you the updates that I was sending my family during labor, which I'm so glad that I did. And I highly encourage you to do that. Not necessarily like send out text messages because sometimes you don't want other people to be like checking in and stuff, but just opening a notepad in your phone or it would be a really great task for your partner to do and write down everything because It is the only thing that I have to remember what happened when or even just like that something happened because truly your body and brain block birth out from memory. So pro tip, write everything down. If you're listening to this episode live, Merry Christmas and in the spirit of Christmas giving, Baby Be Mind Maternity and I have teamed up for an incredible giveaway that will help you and your birth get the birth story that you want. Baby Be Mind Maternity makes comfortable and actually cute labor gowns. So if you listen to this podcast, then you have heard me say a thousand times by now that those hospital gowns that the hospital gives you do not serve you well in your birth because they're so Uncomfortable, and you need to be as comfortable and confident during your birth as possible. A little bit about Baby Be Mind Maternity. It's family owned, USA based, and they've always been super passionate about bringing high quality, fashionable, and functional pieces to the market. With over 9,000 positive reviews on Amazon, these are gowns that pregnant women trust and love. And you know what's really cool? This is what I, I think it's so cool. Cameron Diaz and Elizabeth Banks wore their gowns in the movie What to Expect When You're Expecting. And Pam in The Office wears it when she gives birth to their first baby. Not to mention some more recent stuff like Sweet Magnolia. No big deal. No big deal. Well, as I mentioned, in the spirit of Christmas giving... Baby Bee Mind Maturity is giving away one matching set of a labor delivery gown and baby gown. So you'll get two pieces of clothing, one for you to wear in your labor so you can be comfortable and confident, and one for your baby to wear. They sent me a matching set and I am 100% holding on to it until baby number two comes and I will be wearing it and matching with my baby. I love how cute the prints are and I especially love how comfortable and soft the robe is. To enter this giveaway, sign up for the Learning to Mom newsletter. The winner will be selected from the Learning to Mom newsletter subscribers on January 8th. So if you're not listening to this on Christmas, there is still time for you to enter. If you're not already subscribed to the newsletter, then what are you doing? Each week you get a question to ask your provider during your prenatal appointments and why that question is important. You also get each week pregnancy tips, product recalls, and pregnancy news. It's chocked full of relevant information while also being concise so that you can be even more empowered and educated in your pregnancy and birth. Sign up for the Learning to Mom newsletter in the show notes below and be entered to win a Baby Be Mine maternity delivery gown and baby gown matching set. So around 6.40, I'm brought back into the labor and delivery room. We just skipped triage, right? Like there's no reason to go into triage. They don't have to check me. I'm going straight in my labor and delivery room. This is where I changed into the birthing gown that I brought from home. They put the IV in me. They made me sign some forms. They asked me questions, like all the intake stuff. And then sometime around 7 p.m., the doctor came in. This wasn't my usual doctor, but just whoever the doctor was that was on call. Um, And she explained to me just how everything was going to go down. So they were going to insert the Foley bulb. And then in the morning, they were going to give me Pitocin, which... So... I think the Foley Bulb was due to me not being dilated at all, if I can remember correctly. And the way that they explained it to me was that it doesn't make sense to start with Pitocin because then it's like taking the ba- taking the baby's head and ramming it through a door. The Foley Bulb is what gets the door to open. So they have to like open the door, right, <laughs> via Foley Bulb. And then in the morning, they're going to get the baby's head through the door by putting me on Pitocin. So at 7.15 p.m., I had the Foley bulb inserted. I don't remember much about this. It's truly amazing how much your brain just forgets about labor. Everyone says that, and I didn't believe it until I actually experienced it myself. I do remember it being uncomfortable, so I would equate it with like having a pap smear done. I had to lay on my back, scoot to the end of the bed, and I just I just focused on like relaxing and relaxing my muscles down there and taking um, slow, deep breaths. They literally told me after the Foley bulb was inserted, get comfortable. Baby probably won't be here until late morning, early afternoon. We'll see you again in the morning to give you Pitocin. Well, (laughs) contraction started. And they were actually hitting pretty hard by only like two hours later because I had never experienced a contraction. I never even had a Braxton Hicks contraction prior to labor. Um, I didn't even know what was going on. I remember having some stomach cramping pretty much right after the bulb was inserted, but I think that's normal. Um, And then contraction just like really started going. And I turned to my nurse and I said, Am I having contractions? So then she like looked at the monitor and she was like, "Oh yeah, like 100 that yes, you're having contractions." Um, so here I am just working on my breathing and relaxing techniques. And I was wanting to do my little figure eights on the yoga ball, but I actually couldn't because of the Foley bulb. And I don't remember like why it wouldn't let me. Like it just wasn't logis- logistically possible. And I think um the Like there's a monitor on the bulb as well or something. So I could only sit or lay and I couldn't really be very active. So I was like on the figure eight ball, but I was very limited in my movements. Um, So then at 9.45 p.m., remember I was only induced at 7.15. My contractions were two minutes apart, which is actually very, very fast. And I definitely was not expecting that because the nurse and the doctor were like, it's going to be a while, get comfy. So here I am. I'm just still laboring. And then at 11:40, I was eight centimeters di- dilated, and they took out the Foley bulb. I was hype because then I could actually do my figure eights on the yoga ball. And then they decided to put me on pitocin. So the original plan wasn't to start wasn't to start pitocin until like the morning, you know, like seven eight a.m. But I was ahead of schedule. I do have one distinct memory of turning to the nurse and saying. I'm not sleeping tonight, am I? And she was like, probably not. (laughs) So the next text that I sent to my family was at 1.15 a.m. And I said, these hurt, (laughs) LOL. Um, And I also said the LOL because that's just me. Uh, And sometime between 1 and 3 a.m., the nurse tells me that I was being too active and it's hard to monitor the baby. So basically, she restricted me to the bed. If I knew then what I know now, I probably would have had an extremely sassy response because I would have been informed and I would be able to actually advocate for myself in my birth. And I would have said something like, I would have said this a lot graciously, but what I would want to say is, are we really struggling to monitor the baby? Or is it just that you are having to come into this room every 45 minutes to readjust the monitor and you don't want to keep doing that? Because knowing what I know now, they were able to monitor the baby. My nurse just didn't want to have to come back in and readjust everything to refine baby every 45 minutes. So I went into the bed, which is what I did not want to do. I was restricted in my movement, which is what I did not want to be doing. And that was when the nurse gave me some pain meds because I didn't want the epidural when she offered it. And I was hoping that these pain meds would be strong enough for me to be able to fall asleep so I could just get some rest and then wake up and have the energy to push. But, oh, also, I don't, like, I don't even remember what she gave me, which is really unfortunate because I didn't write it down. Um, I just, you know, obviously they weren't strong enough for me. But that was another thing that I just wasn't informed on of, like, do would I, maybe I don't want the epidural, but am I okay with these pain meds? Like I didn't research what the risk and benefits of these were. I just knew I didn't want an epidural. So give me the pain meds. Right. But like, I don't think that's a good enough reason for taking these pain meds. Anywho, there's a lot that I regret about my birth. Um, So then at 3.29 a.m., the next update is I sent a text to the family that just said epidural is in. 10 out of 10 recommend going to get some sleep and baby will be here shortly. I do want to just say I have heard it said a thousand times. That is that I'm struggling to talk that it is the anesthesiologist who can make or break your birth experience. And I just want to give this man a shout out. I don't remember his name and he will never hear this episode, but he was amazing. He was so kind and he was funny. And honestly, I liked him a lot, but he also just gave me like just the right amount to be able to still kind of feel things, but also take the majority of the pain away. And like the hospital sends a little survey after your birth about everything. And I rated him five out of five stars. And my comment on him was like, he was the best. Give that man a raise. So the next text that happened at 329 was when the epidural was in, I was able to sleep for a few hours. Then the next text at 527, I said, thanks to the epidural, I was able to sleep a few hours, woke up and threw up. And that's just what I needed for my water to break. So that will speed things up quite a bit. And then the very next text that was sent to my family was Matthew sending the text At 9.11 a.m., well, I guess it would have been at, like, 9.20, he sent the text. Mom pushed for 45 minutes, and Milo is born today at 9.11 a.m. So between my water breaking and baby being born... It was very fast. Things were progressing very, very fast. And as a first-time mom, I just didn't know what the heck was going on or what to what to expect. And so, right, I'm just in bed. I'm awake. I'm having contractions. Um, the epidural is in, so, like – I can, I can still feel things because um, of the level that he gave me, and again, like I thought he did a really great job, and I am really grateful for the level. Like I, I liked knowing what was happening, and I liked kind of feeling things, but it wasn't as strong, and it was enough to get me to sleep for a few hours. But now that the contractions were even harder and I was awake, you know, it wasn't really it, it, they were strong enough that I couldn't sleep through anymore. And the nurse was like, okay, let me know when you, have to po- when you have to poop because that will mean that it's time to push. So here I was just laying in bed, did not know what to expect. I was so scared of being like the little boy who cried wolf. I waited and I waited to say like I had the feeling that I had to poop and I did not tell her for probably like an hour. I'm not kidding. Like it was long. And I mean, I wasn't watching the clock and I don't have this for memory, but I remember like it, it it was, I, I wanted to be sure. And then I'm like, um, I think I have to poop. And she goes, okay, I'll let the doctor know. She probably won't be here for 30, 45 minutes. And I start crying because I had to go now. So I'm like, okay. And I just try to wait it out. And eventually it got to a point where I was like, no, like this baby is coming and I'm crying because it hurts so bad and I'm so scared. And the nurse comes over and like, you know, she coaches Matthew for how he's going to lift my leg and or like the position, you know, and I'm going to start pushing because she's like, okay, the, we're, the doctor's still not here, but because you're a first time mom, you're probably going to have to push a while before the baby comes. So I start pushing and I, I turn to her and this must've been like you know, when things were, when things were tough and I turn to her and I am crying and I say, I am so scared. And she was just so nice and like really met me where I was and was just like, you're okay. You can do this. I believe in you. You've done so well so far, you know, and she said all the right things. So then I really start pushing. And this is what I don't remember actually, Matthew, because Obviously, I had other things to worry about when I'm pushing. I did not really pay attention, and I was going to push this baby out if the doctor was there or or wasn't there. The doctor finally comes in, and Matthew said that she barely had time to put on her gloves. Like, the gloves were ripping as she was putting on her gloves. Basically, put on the gloves and then caught my baby. And, you know, I had put on the birth plan – and i had told all the nurses on the shift like my husband's going to yell out the gender and so the baby is born and matthew announces it's a girl and they place her on my chest and it was awesome but i really got so lucky that i was on- i only had to push for 45 minutes and because because i birthed at a smaller hospital um the doctor like wasn't on site i don't think or i don't really maybe she wasn't on site but or was on site but like had to you know maybe was coming from a C section or something like that. Um and so I mean I was I was in the throes of labor. Like I was going to push that baby out and it's just crazy that like she almost missed it. And so then the nurse just would have caught it, which wouldn't have been a big deal at all. Um but it is funny when Matthew was like, "Yeah, no, she literally almost missed the birth and the gloves were like ripping as she was putting it on putting on her gloves to catch Mila." And it was just so sweet. I loved getting to hear Matthew say, it's a girl, as they placed her on my chest. So that is my birth story. Someone asked me on Instagram because every Wednesday I have an ask me anything question box and nothing is off limits. And someone asked if I would choose to have the epidural again. And I told them that they'd have to wait until this episode to find out that answer. So now I want to move past my birth story and discuss what I would do differently next time just in general, I am going to be so much more informed because of this podcast and all of these interviews. So if you're listening to this podcast, know that these guests have changed my perspective on pregnancy and birth. Like you're already being influenced and learning things that I didn't learn until after I already had a baby. So with my newfound knowledge, I first off would like to not give birth in a hospital. I would love a birth center birth, and honestly, if you listen to the episode on birth centers a few episodes back, I would love to give birth at the Holy Family Birth Center, but it just makes me nervous because it's two hours away from my house and typically subsequent labors are already a lot faster and I already had a fast birth with baby number one even with an induction so if I end up needing to do a hospital birth again I would like to have a hospital birth but with a midwife like there's different hospitals here in Indy that has a midwife section to it which is really cool and that's more my kind of pace secondly I will not be having an elective induction just because I'm scared I'm going to have a big baby. The baby will be born when the baby is ready to be born. Third, I will know different pain management techniques and be mentally and physically prepared enough to be able to have a successful natural birth, hopefully. But I will actually be doing the hard work to get me to have a natural birth as opposed to just like thinking I could waltz right in and do it unprepared. And then fourth, If I end up having to have an epidural for whatever reason, I will know what other positions I can birth in with an epidural that is not on my back. Yes, those positions exist. I was under the false impression, and this was not like, no one told me this. Like, I wasn't lied to. I just assumed that my nurse would be like, okay, she doesn't want to birth on her back, has an epidural. Here are the other positions we can try. My nurse didn't know that. it was. It, she didn't know the other positions, and that's not her fault. She has a thousand other things going on, but I will know the other positions, and I will even have printouts of them just in case so that I can show the nurse and be like, this is what we're doing. Oh, and then fifth. This one actually just came to me. Fifth, I'm going to advocate for myself in my birth because I know, I know now. I know a lot more about what is a nurse who may just be restricting me to my bed because she has to come in every 45 minutes and what's a nurse that actually like cares about getting me having allowing me to have the birth experience that I want so that is what I would change about my birth I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Learning to Mom podcast. After all, you voted for this week's episode topic. I'll catch you back here next week as we return to your regularly scheduled programming. And don't forget to subscribe to the Learning to Mom newsletter found in the episode description below to be entered to win a Baby Be Mine maternity gown.